Off the ball. He said he was going to come. I said, listen, Johnny, you don't have to come. I mean, I think Laura just, you know, I think they were having another child at the time. I said, Johnny, honestly, you don't have to come. And he was like, no, I'll be there. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Yes, indeed. Very welcome along to OTB Football Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannan with you through until 5pm this evening for the next couple of hours. As per usual, Talking Football brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We've got uh, St James's Park in front of us here. Newcastle United nil, Aston Villa nil. A fairly interesting game. Uh, it promises to be a little earlier on. It was Leicester City nil, Manchester City won. So City back on top for now. At least a lovely free kick from Kevin De Bruyne. Delighted to be joined. Uh, we'll have Dan McDonald a little bit later on as Newcastle fire a header just over the bar uh, but uh, we have Johnny Ward the renowned esteemed broadcaster and journalist in the God, studio just gets better every week doesn't it broadcaster uh, and journalist just wasn't enough I had to up the ante a little bit how are you yeah. Johnny how are you getting on keep it well and we've got on the line the former Premier League footballer and Republic of Ireland international Damien Delaney as well afternoon Demo hi lads how's it going keeping well keeping well um yeah, it's a busy one. It's a busy day's, day's Premier League action. Johnny, you were watching. You were watching the action of the King Power a little bit earlier on. Man City getting the win, so three points sealed. But uh, they weren't the they weren't the Man City that we've we've come used we've become used to, to watching. Erling Haaland wasn't on the pitch, injured, so maybe that had a part to play. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting to see how much their price went out when Haaland didn't start. It was kind <laughs> of. It was. It, it's. It's funny how the markets react to these things because um, without going on about it, they're very, very accurate. And Haaland um, was. De- it, it was essentially deemed that Leicester had a chance, which they kind of didn't really have, or certainly had a better chance. And that's how it panned out. Really, they, the City. Um, huffed and puffed a lot in the first half but mm. to be fair to Leicester who sat in Leicester's biggest problem I, I'm definitely interested in Damien's view on this to me having watched a bit of them lately the biggest problem is Vardy's lack of pace now so it's just that he's had such an amazing career but he's there was one moment in the first half I think when I don't know was he up against Stones he was kind of put through and on the break um, and generally City didn't look that confident defensively I thought I thought a better team would have um, caused him more problems but Vardy was put through and he just didn't have the pace so he kind of turned back and I think he played it over to Madison or whatever but if if, if that's a problem for Brendan Rodgers because Leicester are playing better they were pretty good against Leeds um, the last time I saw them and uh, they, they, they actually looked like they were relatively comfortable and then De Bruyne just, I mean, what do you say? Like, techers out of this world. And then, moments later, Tielemans, um, arguably an even more difficult technique uh, on the volley. Like, the only thing that was missing from it was it was a little bit central. So, um, you know, it, it was Edison could kind of save it. But it was such an amazing strike off the bar. Um, and thereafter, the game sort of fizzled out a little bit. But I think if... Uh, Manchester City didn't have Haaland you would see see some vulnerabilities in them today and in general um, but the, I think for Leicester Vardy is probably becoming an issue now Do you subscribe to that Damien? Like, as a defender I guess even though Jamie Vardy is a big name when you see someone coming like that at the uh, tail end of their career when the, the pace is maybe lacking a little bit it's, it's a dream for a defender yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a dream because he can still finish, um, and uh, you, if you create chances for him, he he will score. It's just that he no longer has that thirty, forty yard sprint in him anymore, um, and he was one of the best at it. You know, the year Leicester won the league, and and a couple of years either side of that as well, he could occupy a back four on his own, just stand on the halfway line. I remember playing against it, Danny Drinkwater just spinning balls blind around the corner and behind. I mean, he didn't even look, and Jamie Vardy knew it was coming. 
and Jimmy Vardy was on his bike early and he was quick and uh, he was lethal. Um, but obviously time doesn't wait for anybody um, and he has slowed down a little bit now and they've probably tried to replace him with, with Daka. Um, they probably tried to get like for like there, but you're never going to get another Jamie Vardy. Um, and if you do, it's going to cost you a hell of a lot of money. Um, they've gotten good service out of him and he's obviously a, a good lad, good character, good leader in the changing room. Um, you know, and I think the club have to be loyal to a degree to him because you know he could have left several times over the last number of years with a lot of suitors for him and he always said he wanted to stay at Leicester and um, and he did so you know um, I think there's a certain amount of loyalty should be should be uh, repaid there for him I'm not saying he should start every week but I'm pretty sure he's a lot to give still just not what he used to give I think um, the boy Faze that they signed um, he joined in September I hadn't heard from him. I think he's a Belgian lad. He he just looks. He's really given them solidity at the back. And yeah. I think, in fairness to Brendan Rodgers, like uh, Leicester seem to be kind of getting their act together a, a little bit. And maybe the the, the Vardy thing is is interesting. Definitely, definitely without Haaland though, there is that. You know, I'd say even even mentally for defenders, they can kind of think, well, at least he's not here. Gives them a boost. Gives you a boost, yeah, because like. <laughs> Grealish went down, looked for a penalty, and sort of in the first half was given f- for a corner. But and you know, but in general they didn't create much. And they, Leicester looked like they kind of they were very deep, but they looked like they could manage them. And in fairness, they did take a worldly of a free kick, silly free kick to give away. Mm. Other than that, I, I'm not sure they would have scored. Yeah, it's one of those like it, it, the psychology behind playing someone like Erling Haaland. Like Damien, you often see like sometimes defenders uh, want to test themselves against some of the top strikers, but uh, a lot of defenders would have looked at that fixture at the start of the year and gone right. The two games we play, Man City. I mean, facing Erling Haaland, yes, it's a challenge and something you want to come up against, but there's a little bit of fear there as well. Absolutely, I mean, there's fear with with, with every centre forward in the Premier League. They're all top top class players. Um, but with him I think you'd, you'd look forward to playing against him you'd want to play against him because everybody everybody wants to find out how good they actually are um, and obviously if you come up against him you're going to find out pretty pretty quickly um, he's a one-off talent um, you know I said Jamie Vardy was, was one of a kind and and you, you probably could replace him with enough money but I'm not sure you could replace uh, an Erling Haaland I don't think there's another player out there that's been like him um, when you look over the last 20 years uh, and I don't think in the next 20 years you're going to find one either I mean he's just a physical specimen quick strong good at every attribute can finish um, but you'd want to play against him you absolutely would now you might be a little bit embarrassed but you know that's okay uh, I think you know most players will go home after a game and, and think well I did my best it's just that I came up against a, a top top class player but you know if you have a good game against him you keep him quiet and you can you know I thought Matt Hummels the other night in the, in the Champions League had an incredibly good game against him um I remember watching, listening to something um, about the first game at the Etihad had where the Dortmund manager said he was going to play Hummels because he knew him so well um, from training against him and, and had an, an intimate knowledge of him as opposed to, I think it was Sula who was just signed. Um, so that's why uh, Hummels was was uh, was started against him. And, and you could see that Hummels, you know, training against him day in, day out, you, you tend to learn, you know, his, his favourite side, his tendencies, his movement, his body movement. When's he going to shoot? When's he going to have an extra touch? Um, but obviously that's training against him every day but you know if I was still playing I almost certainly would love to have had a go off him Um, and you either you know uh, have a good game or you learn something there's been an early goal lads at the uh, the Amex Stadium the Graham Potter Derby Brighton Hove Albion against Chelsea who's it for Alan Lewis 
it's Brighton 1, Chelsea 0 and Brighton fans booing their former manager Graham Potter before the game have nothing but cheers now they've taken an early lead in this one after twice having the ball cleared off the line by Thiago Silva Leandro Trossard has given them the lead a wonderful run by Matoma into the box passed it to Trossard some quick feet to take it around the goalkeeper and then slide it into the net it's Brighton 1, Chelsea 0 Ah Jesus lads Brighton fans booing Graham Potter before the match. Stupid game, isn't it? What the? What was he supposed to do? Like, oh no, I'm not, I'm, I've been unbelievably good for Brighton. I've been a really loyal servant, but I'm not going to take the Chelsea job. That is ridiculous. I mean, Damien, what, what, what do you, I know it's football. Maybe there's a bit of hashtag banter around the whole thing, but it's a bit ridiculous that they'd boo Potter. Ah, uh, yeah, but look, it's, 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 I don't think there's any malice in it. I don't think Brighton fans have any malice in them, really. They're um, they're, they're not a bad old bunch. Um, and I think, obviously, he's their former manager, and it's just a bit of bit of banter or you know maybe just trying to have an influence over him um, you know he never actually won anything at Brighton so I can understand if a manager went away and won an FA Cup or got him in the Champions League there might be some sort of gratefulness but um, I suppose when you look at it he did an incredibly good job there but he just you know did what he was supposed to do I think really that's football I suppose uh, I just want to hear from Pep Guardiola he was uh, speaking after the um, the match earlier on so Leicester City nil, Manchester City won as we said at full time Kevin De Bruyne with that free kick just after half time with 49 minutes or so on the clock um, so he was speaking after the game and uh, gave, gave his thoughts on what happened Pep what did you make of that win you had to dig in at the end didn't you yes yeah definitely it was yeah yeah they changed a little bit so well, difficult real difficult game because uh uh, attack with uh, ten players there, so deep is, is not easy. It's so difficult. Uh, we concede few, and uh, after the, we scored a goal, like we started really well the second half. Uh, they continued to do in that way, and of course uh, said, "Okay, you attack or you wait. What do you have to do?" And the moment when they change the rhythm, you have in a low rhythm because we play in low rhythm all the game because they play in this way. And of course, in, in Premier League, at the last minute when when you are in that situation, it's always is difficult. But uh, massive, massive, uh, massive victory for us. And two, I mean, it's a great team performance, but there were two outstanding moments. Kevin De Bruyne's free kick was a, yeah. a special one. Yeah, definitely. He's back. He's back. Did you? Because you said this week you were looking for more from him, giving him a little nudge, encouraging. To yeah, play. I was not playing good in the last games. Was he playing good today? Yeah, but I'm amazing. <laughs> he knows it. He knows it. Yeah. He's a player. We need the dynamic. Had to be free and the conditions but it's difficult so it's back five Bardi's already with a holding midfielder uh, four players in the middle that close to the back five in the 18 yard box it's literally it's not a space can do in transition and a movement to second position but we are not exceptional team for the runners from behind or runners for the, the second action so that's why it's be patient don't get frustrated uh, uh, don't concede the counter-attacks not give freaky to corners like Madison is a master in, in, uh, in this position but we defend really well and uh, yeah and at the end when we should keep the ball we were of course tired they increased the rhythm we were playing in our low rhythm and that's why we suffer and when they did get through Edison a fantastic save from that team yeah, that changes it definitely. and how Alavaz has got big boots to fill with Haaland out today how do you, th- how do you think he did Julian? Julian, yeah. yeah it's, it's not space. He moved really well, but uh, if you put doubles there, it's difficult. When they defend in this position, it's so difficult. So, for all the strikers who have been, when we play at home against Bournemouth, Erling played there and didn't touch one ball. Play, I think, four or six touches. So, it's really difficult in transitions. At the end, when they open, when they open, we had a little bit more, more, more chances, the transition from Kevin. 
but uh, but yeah, listed away is always complicated. We came here with the best moment of them, and as a good result, when you play Saturday 12:30 and you win, now we're just waiting what the rest is going to do. We have two games left in the Premier League, two at home. We have to try to do our job, and after we see what happens. Job done today. Thank you so Thanks, much. Pep. Yeah, Pep Guardiola there speaking to BT Sport after the the away win for Manchester City today, 1-0 at Leicester City. That puts them back a point ahead of Arsenal. Uh, of course, Arsenal in action tomorrow. Um, I mean, the free kick from, from Kevin De Bruyne was special. Damien, who's the best free kick taker you've ever seen? Like we, We've probably had the conversation before, but it's, it's something that when you see a, a goal like that happen, you're like, Jesus. The technique it yeah. takes to whip it that close over the wall and get it in off the post as well is, is something else. Yeah, um, I used to always hate um, when we used to play against Spurs, Christian Eriksen. Right. Um, he's got an incredible set-piece delivery. Like, he gets enough pace on it um, to maintain its height. You know, it comes in very, very flat. You know, every defender wants a ball to come in. You want it to be looping. You want it to be up in the air. Not a lot of pace on it. So, you got to, you, you know, you get uh, a good amount of time to pick up the flight of the ball and, and maybe go and meet it. But he puts enough pace on it and it comes in very, very flat and it's very, very hard then to to make a judgment to go and attack it or do you hold. Um, and whenever we used to play Spurs, especially on the wide free kicks, especially the in-swingers, you used to just put them in so flat. And then you kind of get this thing in your head where you think, you know, if you're in a zone, you kind of think the guy in front of you is going to get it because you think, oh, that's going to be quite low. He's going to get it. And all of a sudden, the pace is still on it and it reaches you and it kind of gets on you very, very quickly. Um, so he was a tough one, and uh, I was I played in that game in in, in Upton Park where Dimi Payet hit that amazing oh. free kick over the yeah I was in the wall for that one. So right. um, I was just about to bring that one up, and I didn't realise you were standing in the wall. Yeah, and I think I think as it was going overhead, I thought that's good because you know, you know whenever, I've said this before, whenever you're in a wall and someone hits a free kick. You always get a feeling as it's going over the wall, whether it's you know whether it's going to be close or not. Like you just you just know, and that one. Um, Till the day I die, we'll say I thought it was going into the top row of, um, of that Trevor Brook in sand, to be honest with you, because it was hit so bad. But it just dipped at the very end, and <laughs> no one could quite believe it went in. That like that defied the laws of physics. That that when you even when you watch it back now, you think straight away, oh, that's that's going over the bar. And just you see, professional footballers, they're they're obviously able to dip a football, but like that was ridiculous. It is. Um I, like, the last uh, uh, Pats game was that Chris Forrester had two goals at the more or less the same technique as De Bruyne today. Um, how would you explain it, Damo? Because it, it does have to do with the footballs of today rather than a few years ago where I, I think the balls kind of move now to the extent that you can almost like stud it. Uh, Ronaldo tries it a lot as well. Like it's it's kind of a unique technique. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like you know in snooker if if you want to create some backspin on the ball, you hit down into the back of the, mm. the cue ball. They do the same thing, and like you said, there the balls today with the panels that they have on them, you know, um, they're set up in a way that they're supposed to be um, kind of unbalanced in the air when the airflow is going over it. And that's why, you know, you hear a lot of people saying that it moves in the air. And then you always hear these ex-pros complaining, going, of course it moves. You know, the ball's supposed to move. But you're like, it's different. You know, sometimes there are people have shots and they're coming at you and, and you think it's going to hit you. And it does just have a little dip or a swerve or it fluctuates in the air a little bit. Um, and that's the way they design them because they want goalkeepers to, to not be able to pick up the flight of it. They wanted to dip at the last minute um, because everybody wants to see world-class goals going in. So they do fly differently, those balls. But... Um, not to the extent of what Dimi Payet did that day that was I, I always I, I, I maintained something hit it in the air I had to have um, <laughs> because it was going over like and it was rising and then all of a sudden it just changed direction and, and went straight down almost at the, the exact same angle um, so uh, yeah but look you know that's why goalkeepers often punch quite a lot you know because 
you know, you always hear as well a lot of people saying, oh, just catch it. But, you know, it's tough for a goalkeeper if the ball's flying at you. And, and, and even if it moves half an inch and you think it's going right in the palm of your hands, it all of a sudden hits your fingers and you spill it. So that's why they kind of clench their fists and put them together because they want to make sure they get some contact on it. Um, and that's why you always hear old goalkeepers saying, oh, you can catch that, it's easy. Um, but sometimes they're a little bit difficult. They do move, uh, you know, an inch or a half an inch in the air. And obviously if you're trying to catch it as a goalkeeper, that, that, that can be um, quite significant. Type of thing you try in a five side with uh, Jermaine Genus. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, yeah, that's you, you. You never lose it. Like I, we, we were, I was over in London there, Damien, on on Thursday. We were, it was interview with Jermaine Genus, but we had a seven aside thing on a rooftop in uh, Nine Elms in London before the before the interview. And like professional footballers don't lose it. Luckily, I was on Jermaine's team, <laughs> but like like he he, took, he said to me he hadn't really been playing football. He, he doesn't meet up with his mates and play play much, but like that's the thing he, seven or eight years he hasn't really played football he said he still obviously goes to the gym and stuff but Damien you never lose that touch the the, the creative side of it just the first touch you can just tell and even the aggression as well in the tackle you're like well he's a Premier League he's a former Premier League footballer Damien had lost it before he'd even off. finished his career I, 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 Johnny I was just about to say that you never leave, I, I, I play over 35 you know, and I lost it a long time ago <laughs> um, no but like obviously that's ingrained in you because like you spend 20-25 years um, you know ingraining something into your brain and, and and just you never lose those instincts and that's what it becomes an instinct and and, and a feel for it um obviously just because you can play on a rooftop and a five aside <laughs> but then obviously like I, 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 even me playing over 35s you know i can't you know the lung capacity of a three-year-old um, <laughs> um so that aside you know you still want to get your eye in and, and have a feel for it but um yeah i i, I understand what you mean that'd be a good um good thing for our listeners and viewers to text in like who's the best player you've played Astro with um, yes uh, 53106 or yeah. comment on the YouTube Facebook or Twitter um, mine would be um, Damien did any of you ever play with Damien I actually haven't I've, <laughs> I've, played, I've played with ex-internationals I've played with um, really really good players ex-Premier League um, and by a long way the best was Owen Garvin Owen Garvin right like, yeah good show. Good show. Oh, like it was just what made him what like technically good, like uh, it, obviously it's levels or whatever, and you know Garv was like a essentially a championship player at, at best. Now I would argue talent wise, he was better than that, but um, he'd be in a corner and it'd be like you know an impossible shot in the black and getting the cue ball right right to where he wanted to be and you'd almost after playing with him a bit you like he's just going to do this I'm not sure how he's going to do it he's going to find some sort of a dink or he's just going to put the ball through my legs um, and it, there's some days where you're just like oh my god mm. like natural ability um, we have to get to yeah. play with Damo then Jesus yeah oh don't honestly trust me you're doing well there with Gareth because I, I, I played with Gareth at a couple of clubs Palace and, and Ipswich and he had that Matt Letizia laid back um, natural God-given talent he could pick a pass as well but Gareth was one of those players he was, he was always able to do something, do things at his own pace mm. you know and no one could ever do anything about it so I could imagine even no Gareth would still be you know the same level because that's just who he is as a player um, there's, been, there's been a second goal at uh, the Amex Stadium back to that conversation in one, one second but uh, who's it for Alan Lewis Brighton and Hove Albion 2 Chelsea nil, and Brighton have doubled their advantage and Graham Potter the Chelsea boss returning to the Amex an absolute shell shock of a game so far it's an own goal from Ruben Loftus-Cheek a left footed corner swung in Loftus-Cheek stuck out a leg but he could only divert it into his own net it's Brighton 2 Chelsea nil. wow Oh, Demo, what's happening here? I mean, 
this is the thing it's awkward for Graham Potter it's like when you go back and uh, you're expecting oh, the big man with the, the turtleneck now and the, the new haircut looks the part <laughs> he's had a glow up on the sideline for Chelsea Graham Potter but uh, not uh, not going too well for him so far no, but he would he would he would have known this was coming, and he would have been emphasising this all week to his players. You know, you just know that you know him going back, it's going to create a special atmosphere in the stadium. You know, the the the, the players, the Brighton players, are going to have an extra bit of motivation, that extra couple of percent. And he would have been emphasising that to his players. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. That you know they're going to be gunning for this, not for you, but probably for me because they want to ruin, you know, my day and stuff like that. So. Um, I think he'd be pretty disappointed because uh, it sounds like Brighton is, I'm not watching it but it sounds like Brighton has started like a train and, and Chelsea just haven't been able to live with them um, so difficult one but I wouldn't put it past Chelsea you know once that game settles and, 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 and that start that extra 5% that Brighton seems to be playing with once that kind of lulls you'd expect Chelsea to um, to come back into it and, and, and maybe get a draw or something out of this yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. So 22 minutes on the clock now. Brighton, Hove Albion 2, Chelsea nil at the Amex. I should point out, lads, I did score the other night on the 5 side. It set up by Jermaine. Jermaine well, it was actually, the, the pass previous to the assist was from Jermaine. He didn't score. So I don't know if that means I'm on Premier League level, lads, but <laughs> it does I'm gonna, affect I'm gonna, it, it, like by, de- by default, I think. It was a, it was a rooftop game, is it? Rooftop game. It was lovely, lovely views out over, over that area of London and uh, oh. Battersea area. Lovely. Um, Are you a fan nice. of Gemma Dunleavy? Um, she'd be, like your sister, an up-and-coming Irish artist. Irish artist, Got a really catchy song called Shouting Up the Flats from the Rooftop. Right, I was, so I was wondering what the link was ca- there. First thing that came into my head, but uh, playing Astro on the Roof, that must nice, be pretty cool. Lovely, lovely, cool uh, kind of London because chill. There's no rose ed, it's like literally hit it like Yeah, there's a net. Thankfully, there's a net on the roof. Right. Uh, so you can't, you can't possibly do any damage. <laughs> I, re- I think I remember, I remember playing a media five aside a few years ago and we were up against the League of Ireland Legends team and I remember like I wouldn't be, I, I'm reasonably tall. I remember bumping into Glenn Crow on the pitch. And we went shoulder to shoulder, and it was like the best way to describe it is like hitting a force field. Mm. We were like this. There was just there was no move. Like I tried my best to move him, and I, I don't know what it was. It a center of gravity. He just knew how to shield the ball, but I actually felt like I shouldered a brick wall. He he was a remarkable player, and again he was playing League of Ireland at a time when um, got an Irish cap or two. Definitely got one cap, but he was playing at a time when the league was um, there was a good bit of money around, and we we're kind of attracting some good players, but. Um, had this amazing ability to shoot with no back lift, like no back lift whatsoever and like so strong, like a bullet like kind of type, not massively tall, just like that's that kind of stocky build or whatever, but deceptively quick as well. Yeah. Hell of a player for Bowes uh, in, in the Roddy Collins days. We've got a few texts on this as well in terms of the best uh, players that people have played with, 53106 and comment as well on the YouTube or Facebook or Twitter as I said. Um, best Astro pitch I've played with Cahill McGrath the Irish Messi that's uh, probably an in-joke uh, played with Stephen Ireland absolutely frightening says one tech star I can imagine I'd say technically what speaking. about his playing ability well, yeah I'm sure that's great too uh, Al Finucane at 60 oh, still brilliant yeah. big Al yeah ex, uh, ex League of Ireland yeah, legend bit of a legend for Limerick and Waterford and a few other, other clubs um, Adrian and Leash says lads play with Leash hurler Paddy Purcell speed and strength is unbelievable and a shot like a rocket we're thinking of banning inter-county hurlers now on a Tuesday night now I'm 46 as well uh, like Shane Keegan says a lot of these Leash lads like there are a lot of very good footballers in Leash they playing other sports yeah do you, do you play? Do you, do you still play a bit of ball, Damien? Or like, ah, uh, yeah, I, I I did a bit of um, I played a bit of over twenty five last year, um, and then I kind of uh, the league started already. I think I played one game, um, but I just stay out of the way. You know, like 
I suppose just I suppose ultimately like you just want to get a sweat on in the winter um, and, and the beats going to a gym so if you go in there like maybe once a week or, or once every two weeks it's good just to get a run around to get a sweat on but I'd just be terrified of getting injured or falling over or you know what I mean so I kind of stay with the way and just kind of play one touch and, and, and get what I need out of it and move on there's there's definitely like a show about Astro and a lot of lads can ring in about the idiosyncrasies of it all like I, I'm involved in a few different games some of which I've left but like some of the lads I brought to the game now play other games with sort of half of the same lads and there's a, there's an Irish Times game on the Wednesday and a lot of the guys there like are actors or like journalists and so right. you, you'd be kind of going in for tackling this lads like a famous oh, broadcaster what did I see you in TV at again like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, were you in like what was that again it was a long time ago were you in Father Ted <laughs> and he probably was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah and then the passage of time and you know you start everything starts slowing down and um, it gets quite it's, it's a str- an existential struggle at times as well you know and well, then, then Owen Garvin comes along well Father Ted of course had the was it the over 75s um, yeah I imagine ever closer to that like uh, <laughs> Father Romeo since Cini, um, that's the name that's been given to some of my uh, rivals who've played well against me of late. <laughs> you've still got time, to, you've, Damien. You've got you've got thirty years, or no, sorry, forty years. You'll still be eligible for the over seventy-five, so you can keep her lit. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think those my over thirty-five days will be behind me soon. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just terrified of getting injured to ruin the golf. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, are, are you getting much time for the, Like, how are you finding the golf at the minute? Yeah, good man, really good. Playing an awful lot. Um, I hope my missus isn't listening, but she complains a lot. Like, but yeah, I played an awful lot of golf and got the bug for that. So um, that's it, really. Do you know that people like, uh, and it's not football, all footballers, but I guess to to get to the top level of any sport, you you nearly need to have a an addictive personality and it's it's not it's not just something you know it's not just the realm of sports people other people can have addictive personalities once they get their teeth into a topic or a book or, or something that they are obsessed with it for a while like it was it kind of like that for you like once you retired hung up the boots took up golf and now you want to give it your absolute all to be as good a player as you can uh, yeah. I mean look man, I'm not going on tour anytime soon so I do <laughs> understand that um, it's, it's, it is just a game and I do enjoy it but I enjoy the challenge of it you know it's, a, it's an incredibly frustrating game but also incredibly rewarding you can you can learn so much and especially when you get down low in a handicap and, and, and you start playing well you realise there's so many different facets to the game and, and, and trying to stay on top of all of it at once is so hard and, and you're top level with addictive personalities you have to have um, a really um, a real perseverance you know and a willingness to, to learn and get better um, because golf just is forever frustrating and you know you fix one thing and then something else goes and um, you know, so trying to get down low and stay low is, is very, very hard. The lads will have to get you in golf weekly at some point. There's, a, there's a thing there like ex, ex sports people like Brian O'Driscoll as well, mm. man who, who loves, loves his bit of golf. Um, yeah, I've, I've never been invited to that. Joe, I play with Joe quite, quite a bit actually. Um, right. on, on Thursdays when I'm up in, um, when I'm up in, uh, in Dublin for the, the, the Virgin stuff. So I usually play with Joe. Um, How do you compare? Um, yeah, Joe's a good player. Joe's not a bad player. Yeah, he's um, hits it quite well. Um, he hits it a mile, actually, uh, surprisingly. Um, he's I in good shape, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like. I mean, listen, I played him last year, and he was flimsy. And then this year, he's like, he's he's hitting it far. And, like, there's definitely some performance in anti drugs or Bright, something. Bryce and Deschambeau probably in the gym the I whole think time or something. There's, there's something there, definitely illegal. I I want to check the, the settings. <laughs> of Hopefully, it. Joe isn't a litigious type because I mean, <laughs> off the ball may never actually exist after some of those comments. <laughs> flimsy as well. That's that's a. Uh, he was flimsy, but now he's. he's he bulked up a little bit and he, he hits it like and I checked the settings on his driver one day because I thought it's definitely like because he's, he's packed on a few yards in fairness he's been way behind me but he's not a million miles away now um, so basically yeah that's just me and Joe and, and, and a couple of other guys play play golf on, on a Thursday in Dublin What are you playing off at the minute Demo? 
three. Jesus, right? You're pro- yeah. you're properly good then. Yeah, that's 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 um, quality. Like, not really, but yeah. <laughs> ah, don't don't play it down. You're too modest. I, I remember I remember interviewing Sean Murphy before the uh, former world snooker champion, and he uh, well he lives in Dublin now, but he was talking about the fact that he he is one of the he's, he's the only person in history who's hit a hole in one in golf. Uh, a one four seven in snooker and a nine darter in darts. So he he, he uh, like Kim Jong Un or like something. He's, like unbe- that's he's unbelievable. So we, we know he's we know <laughs> yeah we know he's he a, knows he's dictators. <laughs> he's bang bang like yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah dinner party guests. Um, like, <laughs> we know the we know like obviously he's a, he's a quality snooker player, Sean. Um, but he, he fancies himself in the darts as well. That's he's a nine darter and he plays off scratch in golf. He he, he actually entered a couple of open tournaments I think uh, over in England. Um, tried to qualify for. The British Open, but I don't don't know if he succeeded. But like, he I think he actually said he was asked which is the most difficult of those three skills, and his feeling was the the one four seven is an is actually the hardest. Um, well, a hole in one you could, yeah, hole in one is one shot. One like, shot. So you could obviously fluke it uh, yeah. or whatever. Nine dart finishes, nine darts, one four seven is how many shots? Like, yes, yeah, so you've got fifteen reds, fifteen blacks, and then the six colours. So yeah, you've yeah, got, what, fair 36 enough. Six shots, albeit as a professional snooker player, it's still an interesting point to make. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. Well, he's got the insight to. To kind of um, uh, know, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, just before we leave the Leicester Man City match, I just wanted to touch on this. So that the Premier League sack race. I'm looking at the minute. Uh, I was going to touch on on Brendan Rodgers. Like he's actually only the third favorite for the sack, seven to one. Hassan Hootl six to one, and uh, Jesse Marsh is the eight to fifteen favorite. Rodgers, like they lost today, but I mean, you're going to get a little bit of leeway when you lose to Man City potentially. Yeah, look, I mean, he started off. Not, not great really really poor and everyone thought he was going to get sad but they stuck with him and you got to give him his dues as well I mean they, they sold a lot of players you know and they didn't really sign anyone if anyone I think if memory serves me correct only they signed anyone um, so I, thought, I suppose the owners have to recognise that as well um, and believe in him um, you know, he's obviously a good manager he's very very good um, and he seems to be dragging Leicester away and I suppose their their aim this year is just to stay up I don't know why the, the financial situation has, has changed at Leicester and I don't know why the, the transfer strategy has changed but there'll be a reason behind it hopefully in January they'll give him some funds um, but he survived it and I think that's about right I think Jesse Marks is probably going to be the next to go Hassan Hootl is just lodged in there in the top three yeah. and he's always seems to be on the edge and then he you know digs out a result somewhere along the way and, and, and kind of we forget about him for a while again um, so I think Brendan Rodgers has, has, has done really well just to cling in there and he's done well to, to, to start inching Leicester away and I know a defeat you can never take any positives from a defeat but I mean losing one into Man City you, you got something to go back in the change room to your players with there and say hey look guys you played well today um, and then Monday morning training's a bit better you know Jesse Maris is an intro like if, if Leeds get hammered tonight um, just reading up today, like their their x their xp and their xg, if you believe in that, they should be a good bit higher. I think Leeds' issue is that Bamford isn't scoring. Yeah. But, so Bamford, he didn't even start during the week, I think. But he's actually he's probably not playing that badly. But he's just not scoring, and it's not like his legs are gone. So if he can start scoring goals, I I, I actually think Liverpool. I wouldn't be banking on them winning that game. Um, I think Leeds Leeds probably are a bit better than they're shown. Um, and Marsh would argue that they're getting nowhere near the points that they deserve, but definitely under pressure. Definitely under pressure. Yeah, we have to take an break shortly. We might return. To, to lead to Liverpool then uh, after that just just to bring you up to date on the, the action of the Premier League Brighton 2 Chelsea nil it remains after 32 minutes the only other goal in the 3 o'clock games is Bournemouth 1 Tottenham nil. so uh, Kiefer Moore with the goal there uh, on 22 minutes for Bournemouth 33 minutes now played at the Vitality so uh, that wouldn't be a good result for Antonio Conte if that continued uh, before we go to the ads we have uh, Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent joining us now for the afternoon how are you Dan? 
I'm good, Shane. I was enjoying uh, listening to Johnny Ward analyze his own Astro performance. <laughs> I was sort of, uh, I was gasping to come in there because then I heard about, <laughs> I heard a reference to performance enhancing drugs, but that was Joe Malloy's goal. <laughs> I mean, just, like, just to clarify, Joe is not on performance enhancing drugs. It was all tongue cheek. He might be. <laughs> I, I've, also pl- I, I've also played golf with Joe. Um, very, a very methodical person in terms of his golf. Joe was a person who would think about his golf swing a lot. He's one of those. Yeah. You know? He's, 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 he plots his way around the course, you know, similar to how Johnny would plot his way around an Astro pitch. Well, Very similar. well, some of the texts we have in Dan as well on that, uh, the best Astro player you've played with. So, um, Bolo Zenden on holidays in Turkey, summer 2006, a swanky club med resort that had a decent all weather, played every evening for a week, a good fella in fairness. And uh, his dad, who was also there was a baller as well. That is the most random shot ever. Uh, Dan, who's the best? You, you're a good, you're a good five-a-side man. Have you played with any any legends? I was trying to think. Uh, I've obviously been. Uh, you, I heard your reference to Glenn Crow thing. Yes. Um, I, there was there was also a, a PR company who arranged a thing at one stage to play with a load of the Manchester United legends. I don't know if right. you're. I'm not sure if you were part of that, but it was no. like sort of more like like sort of Viv Anderson, Dion Dublin. Um, I'm trying to think who else was playing in that sort of a Manchester United players of the sort of I feel like quid of fortune it's, it's like something quid of fortune would do yeah but it's it's funny like yeah, I think the Glen Crow thing would have been a, a media tournament I was involved in organising and there was like a the, the PFEI had an ex-players team that they were sent out. And I mean, like I've played with some good players, I mean, even like Kilban, we would have played with Kilban mm. and like, you know, people have like, you know, played Premier League and a hundred sort of plus caps or whatever. <laughs> but um, I don't know, if, like Mark Quigley in that tournament was absolutely sensational. Like Neil Fenn as well. Like Neil Fenn, you talked to a lot of people in Neil Fenn's generation and they would talk about like what an incredible footballer he was when he was younger and what a great tactical player he was. He just, um, maybe at sort of the elite senior level, just couldn't quite cut it, but like technically superb. And you could see that. And Mark Quigley, outrageous. Like a lot of people sort of of a League of Ireland persuasion would know. But Mark Quigley would have scored goals in Europe. He was one of those players that almost, the higher the level he played, almost the better he was. And we do have a lot of those in you know, in our in our sort of sporting world here. You know, you talk to people who played against the likes of Paddy McCourt or people like that and like, you know, they're the ones that would that would stand out. So yeah, qu- quite a few of those lads now would 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 spring to mind like definitely Dan, um, Dan, can I can I can I just yeah. uh, confirm when you called Joe methodical is that another way of saying he's a slow player <laughs> that was, I mean <laughs> I mean you can like, call him slow call him slow <laughs> it's like Damo it's like when some people say a football match is absorbing and what they mean is boring like it's the same principle the same principle Peter Ebden really methodical <laughs> methodical as in nice. he is slow yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you with that yeah, yeah. I think that's on board I hope, Joe, I hope Joe's listening he can get in touch and, and defend himself well he'll be presenting tomorrow so he can he can defend himself then methodically tell us why he's not methodical exactly yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just bring people up to date before we take an ad break here on the, the scores around the Premier League. So earlier on, of course, Leicester, Leicester City nil, Manchester City won. Kevin De Bruyne with a wonderful free kick in that one. There's around 37, 38 minutes played in the other games. So Bournemouth won, Tottenham nil is the latest score. Kiefer Murray with the goal there. Uh, it's Brentford nil, Wolves nil, Brightner 2 nil up against Chelsea. So Graham Potter not having a good day so far on his return to the Amex. The goals from Leandro Trossard and then a Ruben Loftus-Cheek own goal. Uh, also scoreless at Sellers Park for Palace Southampton. 
and uh, the game in front of us on TV here as well it's in James's Park Newcastle nil, Aston Villa nil. Emmy Martinez uh, has just had to go off I think he was injured there the goalkeeper for Aston Villa so Robin Olsen has had to replace him 10 minutes before half time uh, there is action in the championship as well this afternoon the only two games that are full times Bristol City 1 Swansea City 1 and West Brom nil. Sheffield United 2 uh, the remainder of the games are ongoing so uh, Sam Verdon who's, uh, who's playing for Longford in Galway yeah. United just texted in when Finney joined in training when he was at Longford he was by far the best player so Dan right. is right there you go keep those texts coming in to 53106 uh, I should mention as well Liverpool fans we've got an amazing prize for you today on Thursday 3rd of November next week we'll be hosting a special off-air event in the Camden in Dublin to celebrate Carlsberg's 30-year partnership with Liverpool Football Club where we'll have Liverpool legends John Aldridge and Robbie Fowler in town for a night of football and festivities to celebrate we're giving you a chance to win a pair of tickets to the show a meet and greet for you and a friend with the legends and some merchandise as well for your chance to win just answer this question name one of the three squad numbers worn by Robbie Fowler at Liverpool so Robbie Fowler at Liverpool across his career wore three different squad numbers just tell us one of them to enter just text your name and answer to 53106 and we'll select the winner before the end of today's show always drink responsibly get the facts be drink aware visit drinkaware.ie very briefly yeah, we David Snaid on, on OTBAM he's a cracking article Robbie Fowler in the 42 say because I, I, I was besotted with Robbie Fowler when he was when I was about like 12 when he was 94 when he was sort of at his peak as a re- like, oh, yeah, you'd yeah. forget how amazing he was yeah. and I there's actually part of me because I got into the League of Ireland more so as Robbie sort of when he joined Leeds I, and I am wondering what actually happened to Robbie Fowler and I'd forgotten that I'd forgotten how amazing he was and his goals record is incredible when he's younger Unbelievable player so that, that'll be a good night to crack with himself and Aldridge next week uh, Loads still to come lads between now and uh, 5 o'clock keep your texts coming in through to 53106 Myself Damien Delaney Johnny Ward and Dan McDonnell back on OTB Football Saturday after these Yes, indeed. Very welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannon with you through until five o'clock, um, and we've got Damien Delaney, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward with us for OTB Football Saturday. Brought to you by Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Just to bring you up to date on the, the scores, just approaching half time in the Premier League games at the moment. The game in front of us here: St James's Park, Newcastle United nil, Aston Villa nil. It's Bournemouth one, Spurs nil, Brentford nil, Wolves nil. Brighton are now three nil up against Chelsea I think we have that goal do we from Alan Lewis let's hear who got it Brighton and Hove Albion three Chelsea nil and Brighton have another goal a bursting run down the left hand side it was crossed into the box and the ball came off Chalaba it's another own goal for Chelsea Chalaba deflecting the ball into his own net Estupinian it was with the assist but it's Brighton three Chelsea nil Carnage at the Amex for Chelsea so far in that first half. 3-0 down Graham Potter's side against his old club. Uh, so we'll keep on top of that one. It's going to be a miracle now if Chelsea can turn that one around. Uh, Crystal Palace have gone a goal up against Southampton. Odson Edward with the goal there. Tariq Mitchell with the assist. And as I said, Newcastle nil, Aston Villa nil. Earlier on, Manchester City beating Leicester City by a goal to nil away from home. Kevin De Bruyne with a superb free kick. Just to quickly touch on the championship scores. Burnley nil, Reading nil. It's Cardiff nil, Rotherham nil. Coventry 1-0 up against Blackpool. Huddersfield 1, Mill Wall nil. It's Hull City nil. Blackburn Rovers one. Luton Town nil. Sunderland nil. Norwich City a goal up at home to Stoke City. Preston and Middlesbrough one all. Middlesbrough of course now in char- uh, run by Michael Carrick. And uh, Wigan nil. Watford nil. One of the uh, the standard games that I'm looking at here from from League One. 
so far. It's all happening. It's all happening. Derby County 4, Bristol Rovers 1, lads. James Collins with the second goal for Derby and a first half hat-trick for David McGoldrick. Yeah, I you, you forget about him in terms of Ireland and obviously his scoring record was uh, was not great for Ireland. God, he was such an important player for us. He he was a big, big loss for Kenny, I think. You know, what do you make of that, Damien? Because he, he, he obviously has loads to give when he's banging goals in but like I guess when a player decides they don't want to play at international level anymore, you got to respect them. Yeah, I thought when he when he when he when he kind of packed it in, it was that he was prolonging his club career, you know, because at the time I think Sheffield United were, were in the Premier League or, or in and around it anyway. Um, so I thought that he was kind of giving himself a rest in between kind of games, but uh, he kind of dropped down the levels really really quickly. Um, uh, good to see him doing well now, though. Big club Derby County in League One and a first half hat trick, good for him. But yeah, I mean that's one the manager can't account for. You're building around him, you think you have him for for the next number of years, and then all of a sudden he's gone. Yeah, good at holding up the ball. Just similar theme to the text from Robin Cork. Dave Barry in his mid forties, lads, best player I played uh, Astro with. Couldn't get near him. Incredible how he used his body to shield the ball. I was fit mid twenties, just bouncing off him. That's the thing about the football. Professional footballers just know how to shield the ball. <laughs> Ski McGee was like that I, I vaguely recall playing him in the Salt Hill Fives um, and God knows I was probably early 20s then um, Ski would have been I, I guess I presume, presume he was about like maybe 50 odd but he was just certainly just like couldn't get near him when he was on the ball and I was like Jesus how, how do you do this and It's funny you say that Johnny we've got a text from Donal and Galway played with Ski McGee in his 50s the pace was gone <laughs> but he had a hell of a shot great character like, There we go great name and League of Ireland legend but it was just he just put his hand out and it was just like okay I'm, I obviously can't I just literally couldn't get near him I'm going to try it'd be good if, if, if Donald said I vaguely remember Steve <laughs> McGee destroying a, some young lad in his early 20s yeah. like, oh, hang on and he's in Galway too so he might, he, he might well know Johnny yeah. <laughs> fan of off the ball yeah <laughs> um, yeah that's unreal um, lads we should touch we should touch I guess briefly on, on Liverpool Leeds tonight 7.45 which is a, a funny kick off time but it's nice to have something to, to set up and relax and enjoy now on the, the Saturday evening um, Darwin Nunez Damien, like, he's going to come good. Like, he's he looks, he has the touch, he has the talent, but uh, just not all there yet. Yeah, um, look, he, he's definitely talented and he can score goals, um, but he's got a lot of learning to do. And I suppose in this day and age, I don't know if there's any patience to let somebody develop and somebody find their feet. You just look at Erling Haaland coming straight into the Man City team and picking up where. Where, where he left off in Germany and all of a sudden he's a, he's a top top player but I suppose you forget about Erling Haaland is, I believe he was born in Manchester his dad uh, obviously played in the English games he understands it uh, the settling in issues that, that maybe Darwin Nunes is having he doesn't have to deal with but he's always going to be compared to, to Erling Haaland so um, maybe we just need to give him a little bit of time um, I suppose the only counterpoint to that is like when you spend the amount of money that Liverpool have spent you're kind of buying a finished article you just want to put him straight in your team and and all of a sudden he goes on and makes you better he's a good player he's got a lot of potential but I think he's got an awful lot of learning to do in terms of physicality um, linking the play and um, and just be becoming more physical I suppose Is he good enough in, in that link in the play do you think will he be good enough Damien in terms of just that I don't know it's, it's a lot of work required mm. in that you know I mean he played up front for Benfica and all he done really well in the Champions League because you know Benfica might have been on the back foot and he's the type of player that he's quick he, he's willing he will run in behind and he has a lot of space to run into you know you look at the low blocks that Liverpool are going to be continuously playing against that's where you have to be tight 
touched wise and, and technical and your movement has to be sharp and your other teammates have to get to know you as well look he's clearly talented and I think he's got four and four now so it seems crazy that we're questioning him it's just Dallas wasn't this day and age you expect incredible things immediately um, but I think he's got a lot of scope to get better um, and I think he will he looks at the type of lad that will we're just watching um, the action at St James's Park here. Newcastle nil, Aston Villa nil. Uh, they're five minutes into ten minutes of added time at the end of the first half. So uh, I said Emmy Martinez went down injured, the uh, the Villa keeper. Uh, Mark Douglas, who uh, covers the Newcastle games, he says, game totally disrupted by Villa injuries. Martinez down for the second time undergoing treatment. No one around him, so presume it's concussion related after his earlier injury and he'll be going off. And indeed he did, did go off. Robin Olsen replacing him in, in the Villa goal. It is a penalty right now to Newcastle. Ashley Young handball from uh, Miguel Almiron shot. His hand was definitely in, a, in an unnatural position. So Callum Wilson here stepping up against the substitute goalkeeper, uh, Robin Olsen to put Newcastle the hosts a goal to the good as I said six minutes near, nearly into ten minutes of out of time because of that Emmy Martinez injury Callum Wilson steps up and it sends Olsen the wrong way kind of put it down the middle, the middle but uh, yeah. Newcastle won Aston Villa nil and he goes off and celebrates with uh, with Joe Linton so uh, Newcastle won Villa nil Um like the Darwin Nunez one lads during the week the the miss it was funny because we had the against against Celtic as well Shakhtar Donetsk as Gareth Southgate smiles and, and laps up that Callum Wilson penalty in the crowd um, the Darwin Nunez miss bit of a shocker lads wasn't it I mean where do, where does it rank in terms of the, the worst misses because the Shakhtar Donetsk one against Celtic previously was was a bit of a howler as well oh, I mean the Shakhtar one is world class <laughs> do you know what I mean like in terms of I think, like, I don't know, if you're of a certain generation, like, Ronnie Rosenthal will always be the <laughs> reference point. Like, the, I think it was at Villa Park, wasn't it, for Liverpool? Remember like, well. I mean, that, that is the the one that sticks to mind. But I think the Shakhtar one was, was worse. It was least an Astro Dan. It would come back off the wall and you could, like... But, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that, I think that's what the Shakhtar guy was thinking the other day. It was like... But the keeper's completely gone here. I'll just roll it. If it comes back, I've got time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is, I mean, it's just a great level. I suppose it's like the golf analogy. Like, you know, you see you see a golfer sort of missing a, you know, a, a sort of a one-foot putt or something. You think, how does it happen? But I mean, the Shakhtar one, when you consider the stakes of that game, um, and he had so much time to think about it, I, I don't know. Like, I have sympathy for him because clearly, like, there's no one playing in that game who's a bad footballer. Like, they're all exceptionally talented in their own way. Um, but um, God, like I think it was Mudrick who put him across. Yeah, it was. Like a, an excellent player, and you're just imagining the discussion afterwards, where it's like, uh, I mean, even the response of his teammates was not weren't even given out. It was just more, "How did this happen?" Like almost embarrassment. So I don't know. I don't know if Damo ever encountered any any sort of uh, uh, horror miss from strikers on the pitch that he, you know. Would you give them a little consoling uh, word afterwards or anything like Alex, that? Yeah, look, I mean, one-off incidents like that, you don't mind. Because like you said, they are good players and, and, and that Shakhtar player is obviously a good player. It happens. And I wouldn't even be too critical of Darwin Nunes for the miss against against Ajax. I mean, it happens. You know what I mean? You, you, the ball just takes a funny turn, whatever it might be. It's just when you build in his overall performances, well, I'm judging him on, you know, that miss, you know, no manager is going to, you know, have a go to player for that. It means means it happens. So it's just his overall game. I'm talking about. You know, he just looks a little bit raw, a little bit like a, I don't know, like a kind of a baby deer just running round all over mm. the place, full of enthusiasm, bouncing. There's no real structure to his play. That first half against Ajax, that front three were all over the place, and I think Nunes was supposed to be playing from the left, but he a number of times ended up over on the right hand side next to Salah, and it was an element of like unpredictability, which. 
you know, a lot of people say that's a good thing, but I, you know, managers like Klopp don't like that. I don't mm. know whether he was given specific instructions or they were given roles to interchange. But if they were, you know, you interchange. If somebody's moved, you go into their space. But he was just running into other people's zones and, and areas of the pitch where he shouldn't be there. And he had a lot of enthusiasm and he got his goal. It's just that's the type of stuff we need to learn about. Um, obviously, the the incident with, with Bassey where he, he got a finger in the in the lip and he went down. You know, that's not a good look either. Mm. Um, you know, Bassi pushed him off the ball quite easily as well. Um, and a lot of centre-backs will start getting a feel for him and start thinking, like, oh, if you're physical with him, he, he, you know, he, he doesn't give anything back. He he just goes over. So that's what I'm talking about. The, the misses, I, I would, you know, one-off incident, anything can happen, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we do have to take a quick break here, lads, uh, for news as, as Newcastle thought they made it 2 0. Callum Wilson rounding the keeper, but it is offside. Uh, keep your text coming into 53106. We do have uh, lads. Nunez, this has recorded the fastest ever burst of speed this week, over 27 kilometres per hour. In comparison to what I'm, I'm wondering, he'll come good, says Brian. Uh, keep the text coming on the, on the, the worst misses as well. They're flying in. Uh, so 53106, we're back after the news from 4 to 5 as well. Myself, Damien Delaney, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward for OTB Football Saturday. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on Newstalk. Shane Hannan with you through now until five o'clock. So we're with you for the next hour with myself, the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward, also in studio. Dan McDonnell, the uh, football writer for the Irish Independent, is on the line as well, and is as is the former Premier League star and Irish international defender Damien Delaney. Football Saturday brought to you by Sky. Watch all the football you love, including the biggest Premier League games every weekend live on Sky. Just want to quickly run around the grounds in the Premier League to get the latest on uh, what's happening. We will first start with the uh, action. Uh, Graham Potter visiting his old club at. Brighton, it's Brighton against Chelsea, Alan Lewis. Brighton and Hove Albion 3, Chelsea nil, and Brighton halfway to their first win under Roberto De Serbia. What a win this would be. Thiago Silva was twice forced to clear the ball off his own goal line before Trossard did eventually break the deadlock. Some quick feet to go around the keeper and slide the ball into the net. The lead was doubled when Ruben Loftus-Cheek deflected a corner into his own net. Chelsea should have been on the score sheet. Pulisic, Gallagher and Havertz have all had chances to get Chelsea back into this but then just before half-time Trevor Shalabar turning the ball into his own net a second own goal of the afternoon for Chelsea disaster for them uh, Graham Potter's return to the Amex not a happy one but it's all Brighton at the moment Brighton 3 Chelsea nil. yeah not going too well for, for Graham Potter and his return to Brighton so far uh, action just getting underway in the second half at uh, Bournemouth it is uh, Bournemouth 1 Tottenham Hotspur nil. let's hear how that first half went from Alan Seabrook on 22 minutes, Taverner racing away down the right-hand side, played it across the edge of the penalty area for Moore to stroke into the back of the net. At the other end, Tottenham have had real problems breaking down Bournemouth's back five. The best moment for Spurs coming from the head of a Bournemouth defender who knocked it against his own upright. It's Bournemouth 1, Tottenham 0. There's also been one solitary goal in the first half at Sellers Park. Crystal Palace against Southampton. Nigel Bidmead is there. Crystal Palace 1, Southampton 0 and the home side fully deserve their lead time and again they threatened the Southampton goal but it took them until 7 minutes before half time to make the breakthrough Wilf Zaha won possession, fed Tyrick Mitchell and the left back crossed low for centre forward Odson Edward to score from close range Zaha has been the victim of some rough housing from Southampton and all three of their bookings are for fouls on the Ivorian winger, Palace lead 1-0 Ian Beach is in London watching the action between Brentford and Wolves. Let's see how the first half went there. 
Brentford nil, Wolves nil. It's been a strong first half for Wolves. They've managed to create a couple of chances from just outside the penalty area with shots that uh, flashed wide of the Brentford goal. Brentford's best chance was a long-range effort from Josh De Silva that curled high and over the bar. But uh, by and large, Wolves have been passing the ball around well and getting into good positions. But the biggest problem for Wolves is that Matthias Nunes has gone off injured, and that's a problem for Portugal as well. His shoulder injury looks like it might be serious. It's Brentford nil, Wolves nil. And the game that we've been watching on uh, television, loads of injury time at the end of the uh, first half. So to bring us up to date on what all happened at St James's Park between Newcastle and Aston Villa is Stephen Goldsmith. Newcastle 1, Aston Villa 0. A frantic game with a lot of injury time played. Martinez, Villa's keeper, was down twice. One resulted with him having to leave the pitch. He took a blow to his head from his own player, Tyrone Mings. He's had to go off. Robin Olsen come on a sub. He made a good save from Almiron before Newcastle won a penalty, which was dispatched by Callum Wilson. The penalty was won when the cross from the right was handballed by Ashley Young. He's went down. He's put his right arm up. It's a stonewaller. Villa probably had the better of the game before that. But at the break, it's Newcastle 1, Aston Villa 0. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on all those games throughout the second half here between now and uh, 5 o'clock. And of course, the early game was Leicester City 0, Manchester City 1. Pep Guardiola side, not uh, their usual ultra-impressive selves, but uh, Kevin De Bruyne with a lovely free kick just after the stroke of half-time uh, to give them the three points in that match and plenty of action ongoing in the championship as well. Loads of texts in, lads, uh, to 53106 on the uh, the best misses or worst misses, depending on how you look at it. I'm thinking back to, to Ryan Giggs, I think he missed... At Old Trafford at one stage and Torres maybe against United in the, at the same at the same goal at one point. Um, lads, best miss I ever saw was Eddie Clamp for Notts Forest at either Chelsea or Fulham. I used to watch both. He was in the keeper's area with no one in front of him and cleared the crossbar by several yards, says Malcolm in Kil- Kilmeig. Uh, Ross Bartley versus Port- Bournemouth. The early celebration made it so much worse. Kieran and Ennis. I think, lads, when you Shades when you celebrate too soon, it's it's that that makes the that makes it a bad miss, uh, but also an embarrassing miss when you when you start celebrating. There's nothing good about that, like. You'd be, you'd be doing there, that in the Astro, Johnny. Wasn't there, wasn't there a viral, viral one recently where a fella thought he'd scored a goal and he ran off celebrating but the ball got stuck in the mud on the goal line or something <laughs> right. like that? There was, there was definitely one of those recently. But I actually I was thinking during the break that I, I had a bad miss in my mind recently. I just couldn't think which one it was. Um, if people, you will find it if you sort of search on social for it. put in Bala Town, the Welsh club, miss. Um, it was against Sligo Rovers in the summer and actually this was a classic one of like the implications of a miss where um, this was Sligo Rovers first European tie um, the first round tie in the showgrounds the second leg where they were terrible and they were very very lucky to go through mainly because Bala who were like the underdogs missed a load of chances and there was one um, in injury to, or in sorry in, I think it was the second half but it was like would have been the winning goal because it was like a minute or two left where the ball came back off the crossbar and this guy called Luke Wall um, he just could he couldn't miss and yet from sort of two yards he hits the ball against the bar he somehow sends it straight back against the crossbar and I mean this goal when you think about it it cost them 300 grand um, for going through the next round or alternatively it gave Stiger Rovers 300 grand but then Stiger Rovers went and played Motherwell beat them and got another three, 300 grand so like for Stiger Rovers there was like a sort of a a 600 grand swing in that one miss and it just I mean if you talk about at that level how important that was I mean that is a pretty meaningful one also people can look it up on YouTube uh, the iconic miss that was Diana Ross's penalty at the opening ceremony <laughs> for the 1994 World Cup I mean the gold splits I mean, that's, 
I don't know. I can't. I mean, she was. I, I'd say in rehearsals, she'd been sticking it away, and then you know, you come for your moment two yards out. High heels. Was she wearing high heels? Wrong. Maybe I, I don't. I'm not trying to give excuses wrong. here, but I mean, yeah, Celine Dion would have stuck it away, like European efficiency. Yeah, like, Shania know. Twain would have put a top ins, like definitely. Yeah. But Whenever uh, about Diana Ross, Ross yeah, didn't Shane yeah. Ross has created a few open goals in recent times as well. But uh, <laughs> I was just thinking there in terms of that, like what Dan is saying. I'd forgotten about that Balamis, and you're talking about like man- managerial reigns and all that. That like the highlight for John Russell this year was 100 percent like the Motherwell win and Sligo, the the the, the field goals. Um, vibe around the town when they beat Motherwell and spanked them really over the two legs and like the the, the platform that gave him um, and if that hadn't happened you know like people would be saying well look at the season we had we were knocked out from a, against Bala Town who were bang average really like they should have been beating them um, and it, this gets me to just what I was thinking of earlier um, who would be the who would be the League of Ireland manager of the league of the year Dan because when you think if, if UCD stay up I think Andy Myler has to be in, in with the shows. You look at Kevin Doherty at Drogheda. If Derry win the cup, Rory Higgins has done a great job. Stephen O'Donnell got Dundalk into Europe. And obviously, I imagine Stephen Bradley be favours. Yeah, I mean, I think um, like they're, 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 they're all good contenders that you mentioned there. but And I'm not, not sort of trying to bring the mood down, but I think when you consider the personal stuff that Stephen Bradley has spoken about mm. um, and what he's been going through for the last, since June. Uh, and I appreciate they were the favourites to win the league at the start of the season. I appreciate they have, um, no doubt, the, the, the best squad. So um, the standalone achievement of winning the league, uh, I understand why people will say, well, you know, what what what's incredible about that? But I think when you add in the fact that he's let a son seriously ill and, um, you know, had to manage a European campaign. Um, you know, they've been playing twice a week for most of the time. Um, I know they had to sort of sacrifice maybe one or two games. Um, I think, like, the thing about Stephen Bradley, is I know David Snape was speaking about yesterday, that probably because he's at the stage now uh, at Rovers where they are like the best team they have the best squad etc etc um, so they're probably not going to get a huge amount of plaudits or praise or individual praise for things that they win and things that they do um, yet it's probably his collective body of work over like six years is incredibly impressive when you consider where Rovers were when he took over uh, as to where they are now so the debate over the standalone season, um, all those candidates are, are certainly um, worthy of a, of a mention. And, and you're right to mention Andy Myler if you see win the playoffs, certainly. Um, but I wouldn't downplay Bradley's achievements no. either like, in terms of everything that's been going on. I, I was... Um... I did suggest this could be the best League of Ireland team we've had, the Shamrock Rovers team. And um, a lot of people were quick to... The, the, the 80s Rovers team? <laughs> uh, like, see, again... Sometimes you mean... No, because like obviously, the, you see, the, these these arguments are kind of stupid because football is just far better now than it was in the eighties. Okay, yeah. You know, so it's kind of hard. But I suppose the more topical, you could say this century because like the shell teams that had like say Joey and Doe and Wes Hoolan, and then you had Dundalk in twenty sixteen. But like at the same time, I don't. Know, what do you think, Damo? I mean, they've they've kind of cantered to three league titles in a row now. Yeah, they got you know the biggest squad and the and the best squad, and and you know their their stadium is probably the best in the in the league as well. You know their academy is well set up. You know, so Stephen Bradley's at the centre of all of that. So it's not a case of what other League of Ireland clubs have done and just put kind of all the money on the on, on the top end and just bought in the best players. You know, they seem to be building something there that that 
that could be sustainable. When you look at the academy, they're also generating a lot of money from player sales, generating a lot of money from from these European adventures. So all is looking well, really. And I suppose the, the, the important question was for Stephen Bradley, like how long does he stay there? Mm. You know, I know he had an, a, 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 an option to go to, to Lincoln um, this season, I think. Um, but where is a good jump off point for him now? Where where does he land that, that, that gives him a, a, an opportunity to, to, to progress? Um, it's an interesting one. I presume you guys, Dan, would probably have a bit more info on that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like he he was he he was asked about it during the week, and and again, go back to his, his family situation. He he's, he said that wouldn't be an obstacle to him considering anything. They're, they're quite hopeful in that regard, and um, I don't know where he would go, uh, Damien, because like, I think the surprise with the Lincoln one was there, there would have been still a lot of people around him. I think who were surprised he didn't go for that. Um, just in the context of of Lincoln being regarded as probably quite a forgiving club. And listen, we all know how, as much as you'd like it to be different, like you know how Irish football is probably perceived in England. And we've had comments to that effect recently um, that someone going over there, they'd they'd be very lucky to find a club um, that would be hugely forgiving if they started slowly. Um, Mm. And that means that like where realistically are you going to land that in the English ladder? You would think that, you know, a, a sort of a, a patient league one club wasn't a bad fit. But then in saying that, like, I mean, I think you know, they're doing OK, Lincoln, but you're in a division with sort of, um, you know, Ipswich are up there and Plymouth are doing well this year. But, you know, we mentioned Derby, some of the players they have. Maybe there's a ceiling for what you can do there. And, and you know, what were they some of the factors that sort of um, that came into it? But funny i just think with bradley like he's always um he's always spoken like about his regard for say football in scandinavia like he watches yeah. a lot of that um you know around the Molde and jura gardens games you can tell from the way he speaks that like he'd look at that world and maybe and this is a very simplistic point right so i'm not i'm not trying to draw or comparisons here but you know maybe you, people might look at the route someone like graham potter is gone you know that the you know you can become that type of character like the mk don's manager at the moment they took him from belgium even though he's from um he's from from the uk that it's possible someone like bradley like his 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 style and, and how he operates could be maybe more suited to something European or you know up to Scandinavian direction rather than necessarily jumping into the cutthroat English market where unfortunately with his CV rightly or wrongly um, if, if it went badly somewhere and he was done after six months he probably wouldn't get another chance mm. that's just been realistic yes. so that's probably why you have to be very careful and, and careful what you wish for and that um, I think I think the turning down the decision is probably it has paid off in the sense that you know he's got another league now he's got a group stage European thing which was a question mark around that time even though it hasn't gone say uh, you know incredibly well for them but I think actually you sense that they've you know, won a bit of respect from some of their opponents and whatever about press and PR and you know what what people like us say in these shows I suppose it's it's more a case of what people within football are noting about your team style of play and what you do and your philosophy and your consistency, even selling players, you know, his record for selling players out of the club is pretty good. And all those factors probably um, go on your CV and give you a chance. But I sort of wonder what he travelled. And that does... I, I, think, I, think, I think it's going to be difficult for him to, you know, even if you land in, in League 1 or League 2, any job that has any kind of, you know, good feel about it, there's, uh, you know... A, 
dozens and dozens of candidates with CVs yeah. um, will be in for those ones, you know, because they'll see as an opportunity to get some success. So anything he lands, I think the UK is going to be a, a short term. Can you turn it around quick? And then you, you, you almost buy credit with the club and then we allow you to implement the things you want to do. But we need a quick, fast hit of success. So I, I, I was, you took the word right out of my mouth. I just thought maybe not Scandinavia, but I thought abroad. Um, because there is such a gap, and I suppose for him to, to to kind of inch his way up the ladder, I think abroad would be a, a good look for him. You know, he'd get a, a sizable club uh, with European football, and and that puts him on display uh, more if he does want to come back to the game in England. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just needs wants to keep improving as a coach. And I think the continent's not a bad show for him. Maybe he's in the running for the Ireland job at some stage, or an Ireland under twenty one job, or something like that. Um, you know, it's a path that Stephen Kenny has gone down. Um, Stephen Kenny's future I think obviously will be dictated by um, it'll be actually be interesting if, if, if Stephen Kenny when, when, if and when Stephen Kenny obviously does eventually go and if Stephen Kenny's tenure is is deemed a failure which obviously is possible as well will that be like a slight on a potential League of Ireland yeah. incumbent or whatever because I think in fairness to Bradley he's he's building up a big CV I still I think he's a classic example of a manager who's learned on the job I think he's learned in terms of um, his media performances I think he's learned in terms of um, the way his team plays in terms of the player he, the players he needs and I think he's become like Stephen Bradley's reign I'll always say this it, it, it kind of it was going badly and then he put Gavin Bazuno in goal as a 16 year old and they've yeah. been kind of the best team in Ireland almost ever since no coincidence no coincidence but he, he um, and then he, he brought Manus back and he, he sorted the goal Rovers had a terrible goalkeeping problem they they, they, they brought in Bazuno then they brought in Manus Manus has been a great success again but I think even in the sense of the European I'd, I'd argue it's been a disappointing European campaign they hadn't scored a goal after four games and they were knocked out and uh I, I I think Rovers should be good enough to be more competitive and I think he's probably learned from this year in terms of the depth of the squad but also the type of player you need to uh, be a force in Europe um, and, and I think can't, Johnny you can't discount all those qualifiers that they won you know in the Champions yeah, League yeah yeah true yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I mean it's their first taste of competitive Europa League football so they've gone up a level but I think they've they, they earned the right flat because they did really well in the Champions League you know they had an unbeaten record uh, I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong at, at, at Tala yeah. in Europe yeah. um, really really good so like the progress is there for them it's just they got into the group stages and it's new to everybody you know next year that's a real distinct possibility they'll get into the conference league group stages again and I'd say those players management of the football club already dying for another goal you know what I mean they, yeah. they probably felt they learned so much uh, and would do things so differently but that's what that competition is for now they're going to get the Champions League run again they're going to get Europa League run again and then probably wound up in the in, in the um, in the conference league and that's great for them and him but it's going to, if he's going to get a decent job abroad, he's going to have to, you know, make a better fist of the Conference League group stages next year. Yeah, just before you come in, Dan, the other, the other thing is, and I'll be very brief here, is like we do sort of sometimes forget just how much the resources are totally against Irish clubs, full yeah. stop, at, at this level. Like they're barely entitled to get a point really resources-wise and the money that's involved in all of these other countries, even the Scandinavian ones. Yeah, I know. Well, I, 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 you're, I sort of would agree with you. Like, you know, they were playing a tough enough group. But in saying that, you look around the Conference League and there are other clubs. You know, the Kosovan champions are in there. You know, Punic, Yerevan from Armenia. Um, there's a few others. So, like, I, I wouldn't... Um, I think it's unrealistic to expect them to sort of compete with certain teams. But in saying that, like, at some point, you have to aspire to more. There's a balance in that. Mm. I think Bradley will learn a lot from... 
would have learned a lot from this year, as as Damo sort of says. But the home record has been very, very good. You know, I mean, they were they, they were unlucky against Molde at home, really. Um, so they they could still be unbeaten in Europe at home. But I think what they've learned this year, or the lesson that they're going to have to apply in the future, is that away from home they haven't been able to to sort of master the art of how you compete with these better teams away from home. That. Rovers are obviously committed to a certain style and a, a certain system, but what they've probably found is that they don't have maybe the right sort of players with the profile for playing that type of counter-attacking style that you need to do in those type of fixtures. And all the soundings probably are that they're going to try and sign players in that profile over the winter uh, with a view to addressing that in the future because they have an ability, I think, and, and talent to sort of match and compete with these teams and they've shown that. But away from home, um, they've been exposed and I think that's a sort of a very clear sort of working point. But the other thing I'd say about Bradley as well, and of course, like, you know, the danger is like if you keep winning leagues then you don't win one, it's obviously like very damaging. It's, we would say it's damaging to your stock and that's why there's an element of like getting out at the right time is a massive skill in management. Like mm. it absolutely is. Uh, but he is only 37 too. Mm. So like um, there's not a mad rush there, but there is also that sense that... But where, um, where, are, where are all those players, Dan, uh, contract-wise? Because I know the, the League of Ireland is obviously notorious for, for short-term deals and stuff like that. But I think that's what my point at the top was like, I think Rovers are built a little bit different. You know, you look they are, the period, yeah. period of dominance yeah. and it was very top-heavy with signings. Um, perhaps Dundalk as well I wouldn't have an intimate knowledge of that but I think Rovers have built a little bit different Yeah I think they only have a handful of players out of contract at the moment mm. um, I think it might just be I think Chris McCann Aaron Green and maybe Alan Manis like who, who may stay on um, that's the thing like they're not sort of facing into sort of some end, end of season or people I might be missing one or two others but I'm pretty sure that's the, they're the main ones yeah. um, so they're in a situation where it's not like they're going to lose three or four of their best players over the winter for free, which is what used to happen to Dundalk every year, you know, or one or two players. So Rovers are way better set up. Um, and the academy is good for them too, right? Yeah. That, you know, they, they, yeah. you know, they've already blooded yeah. a lot of young kids. So, you know, they've that to their, to their, to their uh, game as well. This is yeah, no, they do. Um, they do. Sorry, Danny. Yeah. This is a beautifully worked corner. This yeah. is a two 0 uh, lead here for Newcastle. It's just uh, I haven't really seen this before. It was uh, it was well, very well worked. Very well worked. And um, I think it's Almiron is involved. Trippier in as well. Trippier. Almiron actually does he get the yeah Trippier with the uh, Trippier is a quality quality uh, uh, cross on him as well. And um, so Trippier passes it short to Almiron. Almiron backheels little it back back to heel and uh, I I'm not sure if Villa uh, was I was always uh, told when when. Um, when you when you were being coached to have two players on two at the corner I'm not sure if they did have two but it looks like it's kind of game over for Villa who've been pretty they've been hanging in there and they haven't been bad um, but oh, it's VAR a VAR check checking goal uh, possible offside um, it ruins you, the form, you, you, I think Newcastle are third now lads aren't they yeah I mean yeah, that, yeah. And, if they, if they win running this. table yeah, yeah live yeah. table wise yeah they would be yeah yeah, uh, long live Mohammed bin Salman but um, yeah <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's being it's being checked here but I mean they're throwing the lines all this crap um, but yeah and Callum Wilson if it is if it is a goal Gareth Southgate's in the crowd there and he's certainly put his way f- put his name forward for inclusion potentially in that World Cup squad in two weeks time they have Ivan Tony as well uh, both of whom could hit penalties and you never know England might need penalty takers <laughs> at some point uh, really preempted the decision goal no offside, no offside defense, so it yeah. is 2-0 to Newcastle uh, just to update you on the the other scores in the Premier League 67 minutes played at uh, the Vitality Bournemouth 2 Spurs 1 now so Kiefer Murray we heard in the first half gave Bournemouth the lead Kiefer scored again 
uh, five minutes into the second half to give them a 2-0 advantage uh, Ryan Sessegnon pulling one back on 57 minutes but uh, remains 2-1 to Bournemouth it's Brentford 1 Wolves 1 Ben Mee scoring five minutes into the second half to give Brentford the lead but Ruben Neves equalising for Wolves it's Brighton 3 Chelsea 1 now Chelsea have pulled one goal back Kai Havertz with the goal on 48 minutes there's 68 minutes now in the clock so Brighton still with that two goal cushion uh, remains Crystal Palace 1 Southampton nil. Alton Edward with the goal there there was interestingly a yellow card for Patrick Vieira the Palace coach after half an hour so I'm not sure what that was uh, regarding and uh, as we said Newcastle 2 Aston Villa nil is the latest score uh, in, in that other game as well yeah lads it's an interesting one on, on, on Stephen Bradley and look congrats to everyone involved in Shamrock Rovers and commiserations to everyone involved in Finn Harps because it's not nice when, you're, when your team goes down as well and yeah. Ali Horgan was very was very honest as, uh, as, New, as Joe Linton makes it 3-0 to Newcastle now but uh, honest words from Ali Horgan last night Johnny I met, I met Ollie actually outside of uh, Crow Park before the All-Ireland Final in the football and um, I'm sure he probably won't mind me saying this where he he'd, he'd signed an, he's basically said I've signed an awful lot of players and and some of them I kind of um, I would like to let go but I kind of can't and he in fairness to Harps like he, his ability to pull these obscure signings out of all parts of like the globe not to mind Ireland and somehow survive this year um, it was it was it was really interesting to see uh, the, some of the people associated with the club really really calling out the players for the performance last night um, so on the one level I think Andy Myler has done an unbelievable job at UCD they, they, they've lost massively important players and I wouldn't I'd have given them next to no chance of staying up and not they're so they're basically safe with the game to go uh, from finishing bottom anyway sorry um, but this this was just too much for Harps but if Harps go down and you know sorry when Harps go down next season the Premier Division Cork City are coming back up <laughs> I, I'd I'd it, I, I give Galway or Waterford a really strong chance certainly Waterford of beating UCD and you could have like a practically full time Premier Division really really strong with Cork City possibly having almost like as the biggest crowd in the league maybe Bartala Colin Healy at the helm really really um competitive Premier Division uh, next season but um, it, it'll be tough for Ollie Horgan the, the, the stadium move is a big thing for them but this is a disappointing season for Harps and maybe they'll just have to rethink um, you know how they, how they source players because it, it didn't work this season just lastly on the on the Rovers thing you mentioned even Bradley there I, I they, they do deserve credit for winning the league because Derry did actually really push them this yeah, year they yeah. actually did and their points tally was really good and I was at the game last Friday in Tala and that performance to beat Pats after going a goal down and squeezing the life out of them it was a Really, really performance of champions, and um, they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, before we, yeah. bef- sorry, Dan, but I was just saying before we move on from the League of Ireland, like you, you were in um, uh, Dundalk last night, and, and as you pointed out on Twitter, financially, that's uh, that's huge for them to secure that third place uh, ahead of St. Pat's. Yeah, so yeah, Dundalk back in Europe, I mean, they only were out of it for a year, but um, when you consider like a year ago, I mean, a year ago this week, the peak six were still there, and it looked like the takeover <laughs> stuff may not happen. Um, and a lot of people would have been pretty worried about where the club was headed um, but the takeover went through eventually um, and they got Stephen O'Donnell for St. Patrick's Athletic which is obviously controversial and a year on they've sort of got over the line um, and I mean at one point they were sort of challenging for a title um, but in reality the last couple of weeks they've been struggling like Stephen O'Donnell last night was pretty honest said it was probably their worst home performance of the season um, they got a bit of luck um, there was a sort of a uh, referee in decisions is a big talking point lately but um, people again on social media there's a clip of the, the foul that was given for a free kick for the opening goal which was incredible like Ryan O'Kane just he just fell over with almost no one challenging him and 
nobody in the ground could really believe the free kick was awarded. And then David Millen sticks it in from 25 yards. So they've got a little bit of luck. Um, you know, they, they got three points back for a game they lost in Sligo because uh, Sligo fielded a suspended player. That proved quite important in terms of the cushion they have now. Um, so here's one for you, Dan, uh, right? Because we mentioned Robbie on. Fowler earlier, right? We we remember Robbie Fowler for his honesty. Should Ryan O'Kane, he should have just got up and said to the ref, I wasn't touched, that's not a free play on. He should have, because that's not a foul. I know it's 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 like the professional thing to do is play on. Yeah, Johnny, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see uh, <laughs> an 18 year old footballer. I think he was looking face. for a free. He almost looked so at the ref for a free. I was like, but you weren't touched. The, the seven <sighs> second clip, the seven second clip sort of makes it look that way. But I remember like watching the thing in the ground at the time. And and I don't know. I think everyone was perplexed. It was awarded because no one around was uh, appealing or anything. Mm. But I must say, even when uh, even when the dog scored the free kick, the Bowes lads weren't going going back for the referee again. I was like, Jesus! Like these lads are completely beaten down. That's a sign of where Bowes are. Yeah, they should be going crazy still mm. over this. But um, get off the nah, fence, Johnny. Would you get Johnny, off the fence, Johnny? Look, Johnny, a 17, 18 year old kid. What, what does his pain. age matter? I mean, if I were playing under twelves, I would have uh, known. Like... Imagine, imagine him explaining to uh, his manager who's looking to qualify for Europe with a quarter of a million on the line. Listen, Stephen, you know... Um, Paolo Di Canio, Robbie Fowler, better men than yeah, me. Robbie, Robbie Fowler had a little bit of more credit in the bank in terms of his uh, <laughs> career than an 18-year-old kid. So that's just... Great a, prospect a, and all a, that. A garbage suggestion, really. To it's, be not. I mean, it's not. He wasn't, it he, wasn't, he wasn't even touched. Like, he wasn't touched. Damien, come on. Come on, Damien. Oh, I, 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 like, no, no player's ever going to do that. Like, they mean, do. They do. I've, I've the, given you two the, examples where, like, no, Robbie Fowler is like, that was a dive. That's not a penalty at Highbury. It does happen. Very, very little, to be fair. It'll never happen, Johnny. I, I feel sorry for the ref, well. because the ref now is... The ref must be feeling terrible. It's all over social media. Like, this was an awful decision, an awful decision. And he should have just said, listen, ref, I wasn't touched there. Wasn't afraid. Hey, Johnny, did you see that, the, the decision for Treaty United against Waterford, but the kid got sent off? I did. Um, I mean, that's another atrocious decision. Like, I mean how he sent them off for that when he just flicked the ball away and his momentum carried and he did everything he could to retract his legs mm. you know another, I, mean, I feel really bad because I think the game turned on that as well I think it was one one I think or two yeah they were, they were back they had one goal back and the other thing was yeah. in the battle for in the battle for third place I mean Pats were obviously Pats um, needed to win last night in Sligo and uh, you know they're done for a penalty that to me looks a terrible decision as well so it's it's not been a good it's not been a good week at all for officials in the League of Ireland who'd be a referee yeah. I'd still rather be a ref, be a referee than be a diver. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> oh, he, wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't a diver. Very, now no, not that. Yeah, it's the, the previous one you're very talking principled. about. Oh yeah, very yeah, principled. very principled. So do I, I, I want to go back. Can I just go back to the Finn Harps thing briefly? I will say one thing about the Finn Harps situation is that like it's really like it's it's very sad for the club and um, a lot of sympathy for them. But like the Harps model there, it just goes to show like they they. Uh, trying to be a sort of a half part-time, half full-time club in the permanent did. Players travelling from around the country mm. to train, bringing in guys from the UK in a way that, like, you, it just goes to show, like, you can't survive like that mm. anymore. Like, you need, you do, the way things are going, as Johnny said, like, pretty much every team next season in the Premier, it's going to be morning training, sort of full-time together, like, you know, four, five, six days a week uh, when you when you add in recovery and all of that. And, the idea of a club probably trying to do things the way Harpswear is probably in the past now, um, but hopefully they can sort of somehow sort of regroup and, and come back with a new stadium, um, which is the thing that they're trying to get over the line at the we, moment. And maybe that could be 
a nice focus for them. We, we've, um, we've a very vibrant, yeah. we've a very vibrant league. A lot of the, a lot of the stadia are, are shite. There's no doubt about it. But TG Carr has shown a lot of, uh, you know, the women's games is great. And I would love to see, I'd love to see um, more exposure next season. May, maybe somebody else would look at it as well as RT and show more games because there's. Um, Damien Duff is just one of the aspects of it. There's a lot of quality there and a lot of storylines, a lot of good footballers. Yeah, and the interest seems to be heading in the right direction as well. Uh, should mention the Women's National League as well, reaching an unbelievable conclusion this evening. 20 past five for those games. Wexford Youth versus Shelburne. Shelburne with a one-point advantage as things stand, so they know a win uh, would see them lift the title. Um, but if it is a draw in that game and Athlone Town were to beat Bohemians away, then it would go to a playoff between Athlone and Shells for the title. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and, uh, of course, the lads will react to it tomorrow on the show. Uh, just to bring up to date, before we take this quick ad break, um, on the Premier League scores around the ground. So the game in front of us, Newcastle 3, Aston Villa 0. It's Palace 1, Southampton 0. Brighton still have that 3-1 advantage over Chelsea, 75 minutes on the clock. Brentford 1, Wolves 1. And Spurs have drawn level, lads, with uh, with Bournemouth. So it's 2 all there now. Ben Davies with the equalising goal on 73 minutes. Oh, take that out of the net, son. Another goal for Newcastle 4-0 Miguel Almiron and just a, the knee slide celebration Johnny talk us through that one uh, it's uh, again just technique left footed corner you know straight away when he hits this this is hitting into the corner and um, he's featured a lot he's, he's got a very infectious smile he hasn't does. he he does like baby face kind of maybe baby face is good, good around the dressing room type lad yeah. but in good form and he's been very influential here this is a beautiful finish and it's a case of uh, back to the Stephen Gerrard S sort of Villa days where in thinking fairness this is just kind of totally derailed and since injury time the first half but they're the, the lovely owners of the of Newcastle celebrating but this is a gorgeous goal Le- left foot corner of the nest just never never going to stop it yeah 4-0 win for Villa last week uh, they're 4-0 down now this week football comes at you fast so uh, loads to still to get into uh, kind of want to touch on the, the Anthony showboating as well lads after this uh, ad break so uh, OTB Football Saturday myself Johnny Ward Dan McDonald, and Damien Delaney back with you after this Welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannon with you through until five o'clock. And we've got Johnny Ward, the esteemed broadcaster and journalist in studio with me. Dan McDonald, football writer of the Irish Independent on the line, as is the former Irish International and Premier League footballer Damien Delaney. Let, 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 let's just tell what happened here. So, like, we're discussing, we're going to talk about Anthony in the showboating. And then you're like, you found a clip that Damien Delaney wasn't having it at all. Well, well, we'll, we'll get to this, lads. Right? So, <laughs> Anthony, uh, of course, hauled off at half time. I think he was on a yellow card for United in the 3 0 win over Sheriff midweek. Um, and Anthony does his little loop-de-loop trick, uh, as you call it, and, and Pat tries a, a little ball in behind. Doesn't quite work out, but uh, a lot of people calling the, the skill itself a little bit pointless. Other people arguing that it was, you know, that's just what Anthony does. He's, he's done it for years. Uh, the quote from Paul Scholes, before I get to, to your takes on it, lads. Um, so Robbie Savage was giving out about it as well. But Scholes' quote, it's just ridiculous. It's showboating. He's not beating a man. He's not entertaining anybody, but that's just the way he is. If I was at number six, I know what I'd be doing. I saw him do it at Ajax as well, and it's the way he is, but he needs that knocking out of him. We saw the manager's reaction on the bench. He was not impressed, and I just don't know what it achieved. The fans love a bit of showboating, but what does that achieve? You have to ask Anthony. I'm not even sure it's skill, is it? Anyone can do that. Is that his trademark? I think he needs a better one. I like to see skill and entertainment, but that's not skill or entertainment. That's just being a clown, says Paul Scholes. Damien Delaney, what was your take? I completely agree with Scholes. Um, you know, it's not the Harlem Globetrotters, it's not a circus, it's professional football, and I thought it was quite unprofessional. Pointless, uh, self-indulgent, um, regardless of whether anything came of it, um, it's like what it speaks for, really. Um, and I, I was working commentary. I think I said something similar at the time as well. So, um, not for me to be honest. With you. Yeah, you know, if you want to do that stuff, do it in training afterwards or before training, or or go and play five aside or over thirty fives with me. 
Lads, I, I, I don't know. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I thought he was expressing himself a little bit in the pitch. I think if the pass had worked out afterwards, we'd be talking about it maybe a bit differently. Um, you wouldn't, trust me. You absolutely wouldn't. But like, no. or, or like Ronaldo's step overs, like <laughs> you could argue some of those step overs over the years were a bit pointless. Like he might have added like two or three extra step overs onto the onto the move. Um, I, I just had to, when he when he mentioned the Harlem Globetrotters, I just had to think of that when Crossy like bet against the Harlem Globetrotters. Like, He's spinning the ball, take it off him. But it was like, this was similar from Anthony. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was mildly entertaining. A bit of a no- it was such a nothing game. He started Ronaldo. I mean, yeah, but uh, sorry, lads. I, I <laughs> this whole argument that that he shouldn't have done this trick. Like, it wasn't a crime against humanity. No, no. Take, take the ball off him. Maybe we're talking. Maybe we're talking a bit more, too much about it. But I, I just felt like right. He's entertaining the fans. Um, is he though like who, who's entertained by that I was Honestly. entertained well, I, I thought it was funny like, there was a comedic value, value to it he's just I'm entertained by your response to it so, so it's, it's professional football in the European League and you're talking about comedic value to games yeah but what I, score was that at the time it was what was the score at the time it, it, it was, it was, it was either nil or 1-0 yeah it was the first half I think it was not all I think it was Neral, but it? he kept the ball. Like he, he, they couldn't get the ball off him. So it, you know, it is what it is. But they, they weren't trying to get the ball. They weren't trying to get yeah. the ball off. No, either. that was that was possibly the factor here. So. There was a shade of Astro about it. Now, definitely, there was an element of if someone did that in Astro, Johnny, you'd probably kick them. Have words. You kicked them. You kicked them. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, if they're four 0 up and it's the last minute, and there's been a bit of sort of trash talk in the game, you know, and it's sort of. I don't mind it so much then in is a that, way. Is that not insulting at that point then? Like, well, the I think it's insulting anyway. No? Is it not? It's a bit like I, this I game agree, will be yeah. grand. Will be grand. Like, it's only Sheriff at home. Like, if, if, if you're talking about an act on a football pitch that someone does, you almost have to be saying, would you be willing to do this in every game? You know, is this something, is this part of your repertoire? As I said, if there was a bit of spice in the game and, and uh, you're taunting someone, I actually don't mind that. You know, if it's sort of towards the end of the match and the game is won, yeah, maybe it's a bit disrespectful. But like, at sort of nil all, um, it's just a bit odd. And I mean, surely the fact he was taken off at half time um, reflects... Uh, there, there has uh, to be uh, a level of professionalism. There just, there just has to be, you know I mean? That it's pointless, it's disrespectful, and it's unprofessional. Um, you know, to carry on like that, it's like coming into work. I don't know, doing something equally as disrespectful. It's just, it's not the done thing. Um, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine any of the senior players um, with a young kid. I mean, that would, in any change room I was in, would have been dealt with pretty quickly. Like, you know? mm. it, it's one of those things. Like, it kind of reminds me of the time. Was it an, an FA Cup match? Maybe United, United beat Arsenal four 0 at Old Trafford, and Nani. Seal dribbled or juggled the ball, not nodded with his head a couple of times, and, and I think Nanny, yeah. he was hacked by a couple of Arsenal players mm. afterwards. And I think Gilberto Silva had a few stern words with him as well. Uh, like th- those lads from like the Portuguese players, the Brazilian players, the countries that, that have a bit of flair. Uh, it's just it's I don't think that's flair, though. I don't think that's flair. <laughs> I, I, I think that's it's, it's like anybody could do it. Well, I probably couldn't do it, but I mean anyone. <laughs> So no, it's not a, it, it, it was nothing I mean that, it would have annoyed me if I was playing either with him or against him So, mm. so if, if one of your teammates Damien had hypothetically done that in, in a match like, do, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you say to them at half time? Show some respect with professional football this is not five a side this is not training if someone did that in training you'd, you'd be accusing them of, of not respecting the session of not respecting the, the 
the, what we're trying to achieve here. I mean, that type of stuff is done, you know, where you go five minutes early and lads are fluting around with the ball and just having a bit of, uh, you know, playing two-touch or piggy in the middle or whatever. Some fellas go off and do silly tricks and things like that. But there has to be a level of professionalism and there has to be a level of respect um, and I don't mind if somebody's doing a trick and they're trying to achieve something even the nanny one when he was running with it in his head you know at least he's moving with it uh, that was as pointless as I'm ever going to see let's get into a game of one about let's get into a game sorry Dan Damo, let, let me cut in quickly I want to just just to, to double check Damien's <laughs> philosophy on this how, how are you on the Penenka penalties are you okay with the Penenka penalties if someone I do agree with you on this but where's the line of, yeah okay because there's, there's there's an intention to score it's more of a absolutely and know, there's an intention uh, that the goalkeeper is going to dive mm. it's a risky strategy and you know if it was ultra important um and you do something like that you better make sure you score and then everyone forgives it but if you do and i remember who was the fellow who did one recently in a big game and maybe not recently but someone did one in a big game and he missed it um, it was Javier Hernandez in the MLS, Damien, wasn't it? Was it? It was. Didn't Liam Lawrence do it once as well in a playoff uh, game or something a few years back? Um, Might have done. Chicharito did it in a, in a last minute. Yeah. The, the game was level, and he put it straight into the keeper's hands to win the yeah, game. Yeah, I see what I mean. Like if you, you know, if there's something seriously, you know, um, you know, at stake, then you're better off just being safe, just for your own sanity to be honest with you but you know you're scoring a goal and it is a tactic to score a goal bear um, with me bear with me here Damien right I've heard the argument made about the Anthony one right now mm. this is not my opinion someone said this that he he saw the run being made in behind and the pass he was going to make and he was doing the turn to delay to get to allow himself the time to delay the pass and give it at just the right moment now is that not that was, then that it has his, a purpose no no, that was his. Well, if you're waiting for that, then at least shift the ball one way and go the other way. You know what I mean? No, like there's no way that was self-indulgent and it was disrespectful to to his teammates and to the opposition as well. Well, sure. Where, where, you, where, you on, well. where are you on Ronaldo then? Like just sauntering off, like before the game is even over. I I, I gave my top and whatnot too. I thought it was dead right that he um, that he was dropped for the Spurs game. That's disrespectful. D- D- Damien is he's an old school manager. Can I just say right? So Ant- Anthony himself, oh. uh, Anthony himself, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony himself, right? He's twenty two. He, he posted a, a screen grab of the of the turn uh, turn on his Instagram story the next day, I think, and he said in in uh, Portuguese, "We are known for our art, and I won't stop doing what got me where I am." Lovely. He's a good player as well. Like so, uh, he's I, a good player. Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. mind having he him is. for Galway night against Longford Town tomorrow. Put it that way. It's a minor issue. I think we spent way too much. We time. have. Yeah, we have. It's fair. It's it's fair. I dealt with it. You know what I mean? And we said, have. look, you have to show respect, and, and that's it. With he's he's come down hard on like Ten Hag. I think has in the last couple of weeks, Damien. Like he's he's filled United fans with a little bit of optimism. Like he's he's the buck stops with him, and he's quite stern. Like the whole Ronaldo stuff was handled. Fairly well. I mean, it's it's almost forgotten about now. Now he, I don't know if Ronaldo will be in the team for the game against uh, West Ham tomorrow, but it was all handled reasonably efficiently. It was handled perfectly, like textbook. You and know a difficult I mean? situation, Damo. Like absolutely. Like I mean, you're not talking about any old player here. You're talking about a guy who was a huge commercial value to Manchester United. I mean, there's a good chance that Ronaldo could have took that the wrong way, down tools, and went on strike, and all of a sudden the share price is is, is affected. You know, you saw what happened when Ronaldo moved a bottle of coke. I think it was recently. Like I mean, that's the type of weight that he carries. Um, and in fairness to Ten Hag, he dealt with it brilliantly. And, and I remember driving up. Uh, to do the game and I wonder will he play him against Sheriff and I thought he would because you know even if and I think they are looking to move him in January you know mm. you need to get him in the team now and you need to show that he can score goals and play 90 minutes which he did so he's obviously looking down the road now and saying you know if I 
make an example of him and keep leaving him out, he might uh, lose interest and then his value drops in January or whatever it might be. So, look, he handled it as good as any manager could have handled it incredibly well. Um, and, and, and I do agree with you. I like him. I just like listening to him. I like looking at him. Um, he's a serious manager. Uh, very very serious manager Ronaldo's helping him as well by just not being very good anymore like which is fair enough so Ronaldo doesn't have the weight of performance just just going finally back the last time on the Anthony thing I mentioned Longford uh, the text are flying United. in by the way to, what's that the text are flying in the text are flying in we should dedicate the next hour of the show even though, <laughs> even though it don't exist but uh, what what would your old manager and current uh, Go United manager John Coffey have done to Anthony um, were he in charge uh, demo I'd say he'd be doing a running session today still he'd have been running every day for about four days after doing that <laughs> proper order <laughs> just just to give you a flavour on the text right um, ah, cheer up Damien it's hardly a crime what he done joining the grumpy old man of football he is he is star- true, shouting that's not at a cloud he is. that's not true that's so, not true someone goes lads if you're looking for a Simpsons reference here old man yells at cloud is more <laughs> there you go. Dave. Someone's, someone says <laughs> someone says this cranky crap about unprofessional disrespect is the anti-flamboyance culture that has Irish and UK football given Irish and UK football their reputations for turgidity it is man like just final Compton Astor there was a kid playing the other night in my game I think he's French possibly of like North African descent and he did one little thing with the ball I was like there was no Irish player that I would ever play with possibly not Garv but would do that and it's like that little bit of flair we just don't have in our DNA Yeah, I'm just imagining Damo like uh, Father Ted and Dougal <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a banner saying down with flamboyance <laughs> <laughs> outside of football I, uh, I, 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 I really fear that people have like taken what I said and like yeah, I'm yeah. all for expressing yourself I'm all for enjoying yourself I'm all for trying things good luck to you I would never stop anybody from trying anything but there has to be a level of respect and something like that is just pointless and you know I think it's telling that every ex-professional got upset at that and it's the guy sitting at home watching on TV has gone oh what's wrong with you you know what I mean like Paul Scholes is dead right when you're in the environment there's a seriousness to it football isn't a joke it's not funny you know there's a time to enjoy yourself but like not in a Europa League game where it's nil-nil on a Tuesday night but look I've said it said enough on it <laughs> yeah we can so park I it like don't I'm, I'm losing this battle I don't feel like I'm losing <laughs> no well as you, it's, a, it's a fair point the ex-professionals to a large degree are are saying the same as yourself because they've been in dressing rooms and they know what respect means in terms of the opposition as well even when you're winning or if it's level you, you kind of don't want to piss off the opposition but um, yeah I, I guess a lot of people defend Anthony because he's young and that's probably the way he grew up playing football that, that kind of way in Brazil Um as someone says, "Ah, lads, lighten up!" It was just a bit of crack. If the pass worked out, we would be saying he's a genius. <laughs> I don't know. Look, it's it's divisive. It's certainly one of those. Uh, uh, before we wrap up, lads, very briefly, uh, D- David Moyes tipping Connor Coventry before this game tomorrow as well. He, he played Europa Conference for West Ham during the week, tipping him for an Irish call-up, and, and that's not far away, Johnny. Brilliant for the twenty ones. I think um, it'd be great if Connor could make that uh, step of progress because I would argue we're still desperately needing a simple. A simple in the nice possible way efficient midfielder who can sort of run a game for Ireland we haven't had that since Roy Keane yeah absolutely uh, yeah hopefully he gets the call up uh, very, it's very a, he's a long long way to go I, I think I think I think I think Conor Coffin is a very promising player but he's more of a, a Josh Cullen alternative mm. than an addition to a midfield with Cullen in it that would be mm. my mm. my slight feeling about him I, don't, I, I know what you're saying I'm not sure it's, I'm not saying I know you're not drawing any sort of comparison there but I don't think he's that type of player, Johnny, necessarily, you know, so. Um, what does Damien think the old grump, though? 
<laughs> <laughs> I'm just nothing but sweetness in life for the last couple of minutes. He's yeah. brilliant. I love him. He's fabulous. <laughs> Damien's such a good mood. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Uh, lads, great stuff as always this evening. OTB Football Saturday. Damien, Dan, Johnny, thanks a million as always. Get yourself right. to Terryland tomorrow you. if you're in Galway. It's going to be raucous. There you go. Yeah. The call out from Johnny is there. Just to wrap up the uh, the Premier League, Brighton 4, Chelsea 1. Uh, 95th minute at the minute. Uh, the fourth goal, Pascal Gross, two minutes into injury time. So it's actually gone full time. So uh, a very disappointing return to uh, the Amex for Graham Potter. Uh, Brentford 1, Wolves 1 is into injury time. It's Palace 1, Southampton 0. Uh, five minutes into injury time in that game at Sellers Park. The game in front of us, Newcastle 4, Aston Villa 0. 87 minutes on the clock in that game and of course the result earlier on was Leicester City nil Manchester City won Kevin De Bruyne with the goal in that one so uh, loads of good stuff on the show today and uh, I should mention as well uh, we, we gave you the chance Liverpool fans uh, earlier on uh, the chance to win an amazing prize next Thursday 3rd November we're hosting a special off-air event in the Camden in Dublin uh, It was to, it's to celebrate Carlsberg's 30 year partnership with the Liverpool Football Club where we'll have Liverpool legends John Aldridge and Robbie Fowler in town for a night of football and festivities uh, so we asked you to name one of the three squad numbers worn by Robbie Fowler at Liverpool you could have said number 9 you could have said number 11 or you could have said the number 23 and congratulations to Barry Jones who answered that question correctly uh, so he uh, is the winner for today's uh, prize meet and greet as I said and tickets to that event next Thursday uh, always drink responsibly get the facts be drink aware visit drinkaware.ie if you missed any of today's show with uh, myself Johnny Dan and Damien loads of great talking points from Football Saturday you can get the podcast in all the usual places you'll get it in the OTB Sports app as well uh, there's also the podcast there of Jermaine Genus my chat with him uh, really interesting stuff from him World Cup predictions facing down Roy Keane and plenty else and Gavin White the Kerry footballer and first time All-Star as well so uh, loads still to come two live commentary games on the way for you tomorrow uh, Joe will be in the hot seat we'll have the Arsenal game we'll have Manchester United against West Ham as well uh, so plenty to talk into the paper review as well uh, we've been Off The Ball Saturday thanks a lot for listening and we'll speak to you soon bye bye